You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled, Who Am I? Hello my radio friends, it's great to be with you again and I hope this program will help you as you hear more from the Word of God. Recently I was asked to contribute an article for a new encyclopedia. The article is about a notable relative of mine and consequently I've been involved in research lately delving into my family history. Reading about my forebears has made me feel quite humble and at the same time a little confused as I see characteristics in myself that some of my ancestors exhibited. This research has caused me to ponder the question, Who am I? It's made me wonder if I really know who and what I am. Now, If you think my thoughts have been too ethereal, three Bible writers have actually written on this subject, and they are the the Apostle Paul, the Psalmist, King David, and King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. The psychology writer Mel Schwartz has this to say, It makes perfect sense to seek a deeper sense of self, to become intimately aware of your thoughts, feelings and hopes and fears is obviously advisable. The key is to engage yourself as malleable, more like a willow tree than a sturdy oak. The willow is flexible and survives the storm as it bends with the wind, whereas the more rigid oak is more likely to crack. crack. What Schwartz is saying is that we are subject to change. Who I am today might be different from who I once was. And I've sometimes wondered to myself, Do I know how I might react given extreme circumstances? Do I know my own thoughts, and are they the thoughts I want to have? Do I know myself as God knows me? And then is this question, and am I who others think I am? In Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, verse 14, 23 and 24, King David wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain to it. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows full well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now it's quite apparent from what I read to you that David recognised that he really did not know himself. However, he realised that God knew everything about him. So is this good news or bad news? Is it good that God knows all about me, my strengths and my weaknesses, my consistencies and my inconsistencies? Is it good that God knows stuff about me and you, even if we're ashamed of it? My answer to those questions is yes. It's good because God understands us, and as it says in Psalm 103 verse 13, as a father pities his children, so the Lord remembers that we are dust. David was aware of some of his weaknesses and invited God to rid him of any wickedness that might be within him. David recognised that God knew him much better than he knew himself. It gives me much comfort when I'm convicted that I've not done that which is right, that the Lord is perfectly aware of our struggles as human beings, struggles to do what is right, struggles for survival, struggles to be accepted, and struggles to meet up to the standards that we hope to attain. God knows us. He knows what being human is like, because he took on human form and human nature in order to help us. Another writer has written about knowing ourselves as God knows us. He says, Who am I? For those who reject or forget God, like atheists, humans are just here. What makes humans valuable? We look around for the best, the brightest, or the coolest. Of course, those who are weak, disabled, or otherwise misfit are left out. History, as well as the daily news, tells of the horrible consequences of this way of thinking. Pantheists, on the other hand, say that God is an abstract principle in all of us. Therefore, we only need to look within for our value. Of course, some find in themselves a desire to help others, while others find in themselves a desire to hurt others. If everyone is God, whose view is right? And then he goes on to say, Without exception, cultures that fail to recognise God inevitably dehumanize people. The biblical worldview, in contrast, 
teaches that we are brilliantly created by God and designed for his noble purpose. Though sinful, we can be reconciled to God in Christ and come to a proper understanding of ourselves. King Solomon, who is widely regarded as one of the wisest men on earth, struggled to know himself, who he really was. His solution was to apply wisdom in searching out what has meaning in life and how to attain it. However, he never really came to the point where he could claim he knew himself or the meaning of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 13 he said, I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they might be exercised. As well as observing what happened with others, Solomon, with a scientific approach, experimented with himself as the guinea pig. Solomon, in probably what would be known as the highest level of psychological experimentation, had to admit that he did not find the answers he was looking for. Here is what he said about himself. And on the labour in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity, a waste of time, and a grasping for the wind. We too may never completely understand ourselves, but we can take counsel from Solomon, who wrote at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And that's from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. So how does all this fit in with me knowing who I am? Or for that matter, for you, to know who you really are? As I see it, I may never really know myself completely. But with what I do know, I am to trust God and obey him. That will bring satisfaction and joy to my life. And as you do the same, it will bring a peace and joy to you that others will envy you for. The Bible records the struggles the Apostle Paul had within himself. Most people would probably think that this wonderful man, who was a missionary to the Gentiles and brought probably thousands of people to the Lord, would have it all together regarding himself. But he freely admitted that that was not the case. In Romans 7.15 he stated, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate, that I do. Put in simple terms, Paul is saying that he didn't understand himself. And then he went on to say that there was a battle 
going on within himself. In verse 22, this is Romans 7, he says, For in my inner being I delight to do God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And then in verse 25b he goes on to say this, So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave or a servant to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Given this dilemma, Paul exclaims, What a wretched man I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? But then he answers his own question, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to come back to this a bit later on. Leliana Rexon, like the Apostle Paul, has given much thought to knowing herself, and she has some advice to offer. She writes, Growing up, I was not very liked. I was rejected, excluded. People would talk behind my back, and also right under my nose. So what I did was spend much time by and with myself. I took that time to get more in touch with my inner self. I started to focus more on my talents and abilities. I started to do things that I enjoyed doing. I learned things that I wanted to learn. I focused on my studies and my dreams. I took that time to really get to know myself. And then she has some advice to offer, and I want to share with that share that with you straight after the break. Gentle 
day when our ears are bombarded by beckoning voices and our world is polluted with sound, Lord, let us hear you. In a land dissected and muddled by mazes of never-ending roads and highways, Lord, help us find your way. In a world of easy promises, empty guarantees, and quick claim insurance policies, give us the security of your hand, Lord Jesus. At a time when we are confused by conflicting authorities that would tell us how to manage our marriages, our finances, and our children, oh Lord Jesus, show us your way. As we walk the tight ropes of parenthood in these explosive days, training our little ones to live in a world for which there are no precedents, Lord, we just need you. In all things, gentle shepherd, help us find the way. There's no has suggested a couple of things to help us to get to know ourselves. Firstly, she says, be in a relationship with your inner self. And she goes on to say, I think it's very important to be happy with spending time with yourself. I think that if you enjoy spending time with yourself, people will ultimately enjoy spending time with you. What I mean by that is, Sometimes, like every human on this planet, I talk to myself. Sometimes I even make jokes and laugh to myself. And although some people might be thinking, this chick is crazy, I think that it is very healthy to have a relationship for, with yourself. And in order for you to have a good relationship with yourself, you have to accept yourself. By telling myself a joke, I allow myself to be funny and I accept the fact that I can be funny, even if I'm not, and I accept that too. But what I mean here is that I accept myself, the funny and the not-so-funny, the good and the not-so-good, the beautiful and the not-so-beautiful. If you want to be in a relationship with another person, you have to love your relationship with yourself first. Oftentimes you would hear people say, love yourself first before loving someone else. Well, it's true. You have to love and accept yourself, flaws and all, in order for you to love and accept another person, flaws and all. And if you don't get to know yourself and learn how to love and accept yourself, how will you get to know someone else and love and accept them? You can't have one without the other. 
So in conclusion, she says the most three important things to do on your journey to self-discovery are 1. Get to know yourself. Define what you like and you don't like and recognise those things. Trying to like what you don't like and vice versa is living a lie and only brings about unhappiness and disappointment. Second thing, she says, is love yourself. Recognise the things you are good at. Not very many of us are supermodels or film stars. We may not be as good-looking, as intelligent or whatever than some other people, but what you are, but you are rather what you are. So the best thing is to say to yourself is something like this. Okay, I have a nice personality, or I'm friendly, or I'm nice to be with, or whatever, and be pleased that you have these positive characteristics. Love yourself for what you are. And then the third thing is accept yourself. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Sometimes my mirror shows someone who's not especially good-looking, but that is not all of who I am. I recognise that I have some very positive aspects to myself, and so that gives me courage and confidence. It's a mistake to always measure ourselves by others' standards. Accept yourself for who you are, and if you recognise there are some things that need improvement, then set about to make the changes you aspire to. It might be a hard and long process, but we can and we have to go through it. My friends, although, like some of you, I feel a desire to really know who I am, God's Word, the Bible, shows what we should be. God has set before us standards and attainments. These are beautifully listed in the Ten Commandments which teach that we are to love God and to love our fellow man. To love means to respect and do good to, as well as to think positively about. And sometimes we might find that quite difficult. After all, some people can be uncooperative and nasty. But we don't have to be the same as they are. You see, none of us are perfect. Perfection is the aim we should aspire to, but we'll probably never in our own strength reach. Recorded in Matthew 5.48 is what Jesus said in regard to what kind of standards and goals we should aim for. Here are his words. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So is this goal possible for us to reach? As we are, it's impossible. For no matter how good our intentions and how righteous we are, all of us at some point have sinned. Having sinned, we are as a result not perfect and never could be. But the goal is attainable, but it requires us to confess our sins and accept what Christ has done for us. He 
is our substitute, and his perfection becomes ours. Another expression for that is that his righteousness is imputed to us. Now back to the Apostle Paul. You heard about his dilemma a little earlier. Having identified his problem, he asked that question, Who will rescue me from this body of death? And his reply was, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is perfect, and will not allow anyone to enter heaven who is not perfect, that is, sinful, selfish, disobedient, and so on. People like you and me, provided we accept Jesus' substitutionary role, can enter heaven on his merits, not ours. So no matter how hard you try to be good and do the right thing, there is only one name under heaven given among men by which, can we be, by which we can be saved. There is only one way to receive eternal life, and that is through Jesus. You can't buy eternal life. It's no good spending your life and working to be righteous in order to get it. You can't do some great deed that will be your passport to it. There is only one way, and that's by surrendering your life to Jesus and letting him live in you. But that's not as hard as it seems. When you feel your own inadequacies, you simply need to open your heart to God and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I don't want to be. I want to be pure and holy. So please take away my sins, forgive me, and may Jesus' blood cover me. And once forgiven, you'll feel a heavy weight lifted from you, and you can start again, but this time, allow the Lord to do his work in you. Who am I? I may never know what I am really like, but God knows and he has empathy for us, and he is willing to work within us so that we may be, with his help, transformed into what we should be. Despite who I think I am and who you think you are, God loves us immensely, warts and all, and that's encouraging. That's something worth remembering. And when we devalue ourselves, we need to realise that God values us so much that he was willing to give up everything that he might have our company for the endless ages of eternity. Well, that's it for today. May God bless you as you contemplate what I've shared with you today. And in the meantime... May the Lord give you assurance, hope and peace.